Hi, we're Tea and TV, a podcast for TV addicts. I'm Price. And I'm Elizabeth. Today we're discussing The Bold Type Season 1, Episode 5, No Feminism in the Champagne Room. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Price. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's cold outside. Yeah. So I'm not really a happy camper right now. Oh, well, it's good that we have some tea to drink. (laughs) That is true. That is true. What tea are you drinking? Well, so I ordered a variety box on Amazon. So every tea I drink is going to be a mystery. Um, so I reached in and I pulled out a tea bag and apparently I'm basic today because it was pumpkin spice tea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But that sounds delicious. It's really good. And it's perfect for like how cold my apartment is right now. Did you know that it snowed this weekend in Austin? I did. I did. Yeah. All of my friends from Austin on Facebook have been freaking out about it. It doesn't snow in Austin. It doesn't. It's not supposed to snow in Austin, and it snowed, and I am cold. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> what tea are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a Tazo black tea. That yeah. yeah, I like black tea, and I have like a little bit of milk in it. So. Tazo Tazo's really good. They have a really good uh, Earl Grey. Oh, I need to try that because. Yeah, last time I tried it and wasn't a fan, so maybe. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I retried my chai tea, and I actually put milk in it this time, and holy God, it was delicious. So, oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, here, here's to all the tea fans that were shocked that I didn't like it, but I actually like it, so life is good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Okay, do we want to kind of go over what we're talking about in this episode? Yeah, so this podcast is going to be a little different. Um, We kind of see this as like the act two of the story that they're telling in the first season. Um, This is where all three girls have huge conflicts and then they all get resolved at the same time. So it's really cool. Um, It's it's awesome. And it's also the mid-season finale. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like conflicts, not only in this individual episode, but it also highlights the conflicts that they've been having the whole like the whole first half of this season and it really comes ahead into this beautiful scene which we're going to talk about a lot at the end because we love it and yeah it's yeah so it's mid-season finale showing a lot of growth in all three characters and yeah I can't wait to dive in yeah so we're going to talk about each of the characters and their individual conflict and then we'll go back at the end and talk about how it was resolved so that's why it's going to be a little different format this time so Let's go ahead and start. What is Jane up to this episode? Jane. 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 Jane Sloan. So Jane in this episode has written a a story about a Wall Street banker turned stripper named Morgan Stanley with a Y. Like the episode starts with uh, Jane and Sutton going into a strip club and then them being removed by the strip club security because Morgan Stanley is suing Jane for defamation. And so Jane's just feeling really emotional about this and feels like she failed, that she let Jacqueline down. And this is just even more coming to a head because, you know, the past few episodes, she's been getting over insecurities about her writing and is finally kind of 
figuring out what she wants to write about. And, um, but then she, then she gets sued and becomes insecure again. Yeah. And we see, um, we see her working with Richard a lot this episode, which is something that we hadn't really seen before. So we get to see the interactions between those two. And I found that Mm -hmm. was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Jane's story, this episode, like, I, I, we, we, you know, we both watched the episode several times now and like, I, I feel like at almost every turn, I'm like, Oh, Jane, come on. Oh, Jane, come on. No, don't Jane. Don't do that. Come on. Don't because she does it. She makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> like, yeah. And, she like, goes, she goes against all legal advice. She, you know, talks to Morgan. She, uh, she lets her emotions get in the way and it's just like, Jane, stop. Don't, why are you doing this? Yeah, it goes against all legal advice, talks to Morgan. This conflict really, though, did help her, uh, like, take a good look at her, like, preconceived notions, I guess, and her judgments of people. You know, she says that, you know, her article was about how this stripper is a feminist icon, and yet Jane thinks that she doesn't judge this woman and her lifestyle, but then what ends up getting her in really trouble is in this heated settlement meeting. She goes in, like, says, well, exposed you? You expose yourself on a, like, nightly basis. You're a stripper. And it's just, ah, Jane. Yeah, and it's it's definitely the same way that she got really mad at Pinstripe a few episodes ago. She didn't think. She just let her emotions get in the way, and it you know, it messes up the entire situation. Yeah, so that's that's kind of Jane's main conflict, is that she's getting sued, uh, she's feeling really insecure about her writing, and she also lets her emotions get in the way. So that's, it defines her character, too, up until this point, right? Oh, Jane. <laughs> so, so many mistakes this episode with that, and yeah, it's but I think it's, like, ultimately is good and you see like that she grows a lot from this failure that she has yeah i agree i agree yeah do we want to move on to cat then cat 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 edison yeah let's talk about cat so cat kissed a girl and she liked it and she liked it and she liked it um, yeah. But the problem is, is that Adina is still technically with Coco. Um, she cheated on Coco ever since they started being friends because um, that's, you know, emotional cheating. And, you know, Adina is trying to break up with Coco this episode, but there's a lot of back and forth and she's unsure about it um, just because she had this huge relationship with Coco. She was with her for three years. And then... Because Adina is so unsure, it makes Kat, like, go and look up their relationship and feel like she's breaking this huge thing, and she's not really sure if she can stand up to that with Adina. Like, she's she's really conflicted about being in a relationship, and we see a lot of her uh, commitment issues here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many commitment issues with Kat. When there's a lot of back and forth going on um, between her and Adina, and Adina calls them an us or a we, and Kat just freaks out at that. And was like, oh, my God, what? Apparently we're a, we're a we? We're an us now? And, and that actually leads to her uh, accidentally tweeting something out on the Scarlet account about about this personal situation, which Jacqueline reads. Yeah, so, well... Like, well, the bigger issue is that it's mildly homophobic. Uh, she says this lesbian shit is intense on the Scarlet account, and uh, yeah, Jacqueline sees it immediately and obviously is really angry, but you know, they delete it and it's okay, but it's just like, 
an instance of Kat losing control again. And I, I thought that that was so good. Yeah, it really does highlight kind of what we've already known about Kat, that she doesn't really do relationships, doesn't really like anything too serious. And after the scene with the tweet, like Sutton says, oh yeah, nothing at all life-altering happening at the moment (laughs) with you. And it's so true. It's life-altering for Kat for two reasons. One, that she's interested in a woman, which, you know, she hadn't been before. And then the second one is that she's, like, interested in having maybe a relationship with someone, which she hasn't done before. And Sutton and Jane kind of talk about it and say, like, I've never seen her this, like, strung up on somebody before. Are we, are we nervous or excited for her? <laughs> a bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Kat also gets the speechless scene this episode. So she's making these bags for her soul wheel event. We see her revise a text that she's trying to send to Adina like a few times. You see the gears turning. You see her put down her phone and pick it up again and then put it down. And it's a whole thing. And it's it's so good. Um, the music that they picked for this scene is just so on point and perfect. And the actress, the actor, is so amazing here. Like yeah. The actress's eyes convey the conflict that she's going through so well and that's a really good scene I really like it and yeah and it's a really real moment because I feel like we've all done that where we're trying to figure out what to say and what to text and you can Mm -hmm. take the time because you're texting someone (laughs) and it just I I so relate to this moment yeah no it's good yeah and there's another uh Jacqueline mentorship moment between her and Kat which we both really really liked you know the bad the bad tweet goes out and um then later on, Jacqueline kind of like checks in with her and it's like, yeah, so how, how's everything going? And Kat diverts. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the, the event that I'm planning for work is going really, really great. And like Jacqueline tries to dig in and once again, Kat avoids the, you know, avoids the subject like crazy. And it was I thought that was just really, really sweet of Jacqueline and that she like, yeah, whatever she says, OK, well, let me know how it goes. And, you know, it's just. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite mentorship moments of the series is just it's so good and so relatable so yeah Kat's conflict is definitely with her relationship and her commitment issues Uh, she doesn't really know where she stands but she she basically says you know I'm done I can't do this anymore and she she gives up she runs away and um you know that's that's her deal this episode. Yeah. And it's, not, and it's like her deal, you know, this whole season, like her main storyline is with Adina, like whether she wants to be with her or not, just like, you know, Jane's storyline was specifically about this lawsuit, but also about growing as a writer. And right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about Sutton then. Sutton. 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 Sutton, Brady. Huge Sutton episode. (laughs) Yeah, so Sutton got the job in the last episode. She got the fashion assistant job, and she's super excited to start. She, you know, buys herself a new pair of shoes to celebrate. Um, However, when she goes to sign the papers, the starting salary is something that she can't afford to live on. It's less than what she's currently making. And so her conflict this whole episode is trying to renegotiate her salary for this new job and oh we one of the reasons why this is one of our favorite episodes is because I don't think I've ever seen that on TV. I don't I don't think I've seen it from like 
a perspective of someone my age is what it is. I think I've seen it, but like not from someone who looks like me, who acts like me, stuff like that. And I was really inspired by this whole thing. Um, I was having some issues at work with my boss and I, I couldn't figure out how to fix it. Um, and at the time, and I, I was watching this episode and I was like, wait, I can do that. I can be like Sutton. I can, I can totally stand up for myself. I'm not going to lie. Like I would listen to the music and then go talk to my boss and be like, no, I'm a strong, powerful woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> yeah. That leads up to the um, scene we're going to talk about whenever she does negotiate her salary and watching that is just so inspiring and so real. Like the, like her conflict yes. with this is just so real and so relatable I mean I've yeah this has happened to me and this has probably happened to everyone ever like you know not having a salary that you want and trying to decide if you want to fight for more or not and then actually doing that like that's just that's so intimidating yeah no that scene is crazy inspirational um we're gonna talk more about that later yeah let's talk about other stuff associated with Sutton um we get to see some of the Alex Sutton friendship here when they do their little power pose thing. Oh, so like, I love the Alex Sutton friendship and there's just like little moments of their friendship the past five episodes. And this is just definitely one of them. And I think it's definitely telling he's the one that she talks to about whether she was going to accept the ad sales job. And then they go out for drinks when she decides not to accept it. And so he's the one who's saying like, this is what I did whenever I started. Here's how you fight for a higher salary. And here, let's do some, let's do some power poses to inspire you and make you ready to take on Oliver. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. I really liked how they showed that and like the support that she gets from him too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of support, yes. Um, oh my gosh, Jane and Kat make this amazing deal for Sutton um, because she says that she doesn't have a safety net. And so Kat says that Sutton can move in with her rent free and Jane will sublet her room month to month and then let her move back in once she figures everything out and it's just like the cutest sweetest thing so sweet and so just showing of their friendship and how supportive they are of each other and like we've talked about that in the previous episodes and we've seen that in the previous episodes but this was actually like showing like putting their money where their mouth is a little bit and the fact that they're willing to do that for her is just so amazing yeah, and it, it shows them as being family, essentially. Like, that's that's what it is. Oh, my God. And, like, insert ugly crying here. I love that scene so much. Yeah, when, yeah, when they said that they will be your safety net. Those are, yeah, those are some good friends. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, and I really like how they give Sutton the room to be able to negotiate her salary in this instance. Yeah, that's that's what makes this episode truly amazing and one of a kind. It was just really great to see her negotiate a salary and be open about salaries in general for women. Yeah, and I I feel like it really um, opened up a discussion about like if women need to negotiate their salary and if you know this is something that maybe I need to do more personally and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we actually um, did a bit of research about the wage gap and women negotiating their salaries that we wanted to talk about for a little bit. Yeah, so you did you did a little bit more research than I did. So um, what is the wage gap price? Um, so pretty much the wage gap is just it's 
this idea that men get paid more than women. And so the most heavily quoted statistic is that uh, women get paid 79 cents for every dollar that a man gets paid. And wage gap critics say that this is because the wage gap is a myth, that it doesn't exist, that if you get that, yes, that 79 to $1 statistic is correct for what all men are making on average and what all women are making on average. But if you get into the actual um, job titles between men and women, there is no gap. Men pick higher paying careers than women do. There's a lot of reasons on why there's a wage gap. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's kind of the main argument here is that People are looking at all different sorts of research, and it's also really hard to understand. I mean, you and I both had a hard time with it when we were doing our research on this. It's really hard to understand what we're looking at and what is actually the true definition of the wage gap. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of debate about whether it even exists or not. There's this great HuffPo article, which we're going to link with you guys. And it, I think it does a really good job of like breaking down what is the wage gap. And like people who say that the wage gap is a myth and that it doesn't exist, it kind of breaks down exactly why that's wrong. Yeah. So we wanted to uh, go over some of the reasons that people say it doesn't exist and some of the research that we found about it. So I think the first one was about negotiation, like Sutton did, um, saying that women negotiate less and that's why they get paid less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there hasn't been a ton of research about this. Um, the best one that I was able to define was a survey uh, from Monster, but it pretty much said that men negotiate their salaries more than women do. And as a result, men get paid more than women do. Yeah. Uh, And we're not saying that's wrong because there has been research shown um, that says that asking for a higher salary does increase your overall earning potential. Um, So if you do negotiate your salary, you're better off in the long run versus asking for increases every time you get a raise. Yeah, so definitely negotiating your salary is a reason for the wage gap because we're talking about... TV shows, and there's been a huge discussion uh, with the Time's Up movement and with the Hollywood industry in general. I want to like talk about a couple of actresses who are currently in the process of negotiating their salaries successfully. Ellen Pompeo, who plays Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy, is now the highest paid actress in a TV drama, and she'll be getting paid over $20 million a year. What season of Grey's Anatomy are we on now? Like 20? 14. 14. Yeah. Good God. Yeah, 14. Yeah. So the Hollywood Reporter just released this amazing interview with her where she talks about her career in Grey's Anatomy. And she's just like so upfront about everything from the very beginning about um, she was she didn't even want to like take the job because she didn't want to be stuck in a TV show. Um, and just like her progression and like all the negotiations that she's had over the years, um, how she like whenever she would try to negotiate for a higher salary after like the fourth season or so, they would use um, Patrick Denzi 
as an excuse, like, oh, well, we don't need you. We have Patrick. And she said it came at a real turning point whenever Patrick left. And that really helped her have more confidence in order to ask what she thought she deserved. Shonda Reams, who's the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Shondaland, um, she's going into Netflix with a new show. And so like with that opening, Ellen was able to approach her and say, you're diverting your energy to this new show. And that's great. But I want to be more involved in Grey's Anatomy and I need to be compensated accordingly. Good for her. Oh, I know. Like, you definitely check out this interview with her. I counted, I think, at least three F-bombs in the interview. And she's just so upfront about what she's making and the struggle to get there and what actresses face with negotiating their salaries, especially with male co-stars who make more than they do. That's really cool. And it's also, you know, it's really timely because the Time's Up movement just came out with the Golden Globes and everything. Mm -hmm. So the Time's Up movement, a lot of the actresses who are like leaders in that movement have been like meeting recently um, and just talking about ways that they can improve their industry, which includes salary negotiation. Um, So Tracy Ellis Ross, who's the female lead on Blackish, is currently in negotiations for a higher salary because currently her male co-star, Anthony Anderson, is making a lot more. I don't know. There was a lot of rumors going around with her that she was going to like leave the show or cut back because she wasn't getting paid as much as Anthony. And then there was this whole question because Anthony is an executive producer and was involved in the creation. So that's why he gets paid more. But it doesn't look like she's leaving, but she is negotiating to be compensating accordingly. As she should be. As she should be. Shout out to these women and actresses who are successfully renegotiating their salaries. I agree. I agree. Another reason that we saw was people say that women choose to leave their job because they have kids. And like, yeah, that's right. People do choose sometimes, but a lot of times people can't afford childcare and people can't afford to, and and people don't really want to have someone else caring for their child. They would prefer for them to do it. And it, unfortunately, it usually does fall to the mother to stay at home with the kids versus the father. Um, There are a lot of reasons that I saw for this. Sometimes the father is older than the mother, so he's more advanced in his career, so it makes more sense for her to stay home. A lot of times, it's just because there's this societal norm that moms stay home, dads go to work, stuff like that. I looked up some stats on stay-at-home dads versus stay-at-home moms, and they are rising in percentages in America, but it definitely still has the majority of stay-at-home moms um, staying with kids and instead of fathers. And I'm definitely not disputing that, like, everyone should have parents home with children. I think that we should have both maternal and paternal leave, like, automatically. Um, Because I think it's really important for everyone's well-being and um, health. Like, there's a huge bonding experience there that you need to have. Um, But I'm just saying that when you return, it shouldn't affect your career. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, statistically, it does affect women's career to have children. Yeah, I was looking at a chart that was like women who stayed at home for a period make 30% less. And that's insane. It is insane. Yeah. yeah. And I like, yeah, I definitely witnessed that like with coworkers. There's a big difference between coworkers who have children and those who don't. And uh, yeah, it's sad and shouldn't be cool. So yes, technically like the wage gap comes in because women stay at home full time or even just part time. Yeah. Or, or they choose jobs that allow them the flexibility to stay home, which is again, fine, but it shouldn't affect your career. You should be paid what you want to be paid. Like if you're working part time, you should be paid 
as much as you would be um, percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was another thing that I saw. If we look at women and men in the same job versus looking at women in women-dominated careers versus looking at men in male-dominated careers. So, like, if we look at women and men who are working the same job, like software engineers or something, they're probably mm-hmm. making about 95 cents to the dollar, which is still wrong. It's it's still a gap. It should it's be one to one. It's still a gap. <laughs> yes. Um, even though I found some research that said that women physicians make 71% and women lawyers make 82%, which is what? not right. Um, but like I was saying, when you compare women-dominated fields to male-dominated fields, the wage gap appears again. Um, so, for example, like technology managers, who are mostly men, make 27% higher wages than human resource managers, which are mostly women. And when you look at the other side of the spectrum, uh, janitors, who are usually men, make 22% more than maids and house cleaners. And this is from a New York Times article. So it's not like we can't just look at men and women who are doing the same job. We have to look at the equivalent field that's male-dominated versus women-dominated because that's where the wage gap appears. And it, like then we have to question society and wonder why <laughs> these fields aren't making much because you know we, we look down on women who work or some bullshit like that. Yeah, people argue that like the wage gap doesn't exist whenever you get into job titles, but the point is that you have to take a step back and look at society as a whole and like why industries that are dominated by women are paid less than industries that are dominated by men. Yes, and that's a huge point that a lot of anti-feminists and people miss is that yeah, okay, look look at the same job, that's fine, but like look at the bigger picture here. There's a there's a systemic problem. That's the word I wanted. <laughs> systemic problem. You're right. It is a systemic problem. And if we're you know, looking at industries, what I thought was really interesting that the HuffPo uh, article points out is that whenever women enter an industry that is male dominated, the wages go down. Um, so I think like biology was an example in that article. But then whenever men go into women dominated industries, the wages go up. Which, like, computer science, it was originally dominated by women, but then men started to come into it, and then all of a sudden, the wages just, like, skyrocketed. I can't believe that we're having this discussion in 2018. Like, I can't believe it. This should not happen. There was an Equal Pay Act in 1963 that said that you're not allowed to pay more or less based on uh, sex and 1963 people. Ugh, yeah. But it's not not necessarily this way around the world. Didn't you say that something came about in Iceland recently? Yes, this past month, um, Iceland passed the new law, uh, which went into effect New Year's Day. It says that equal pay for equal work is a must in the country. You have to show what you're paying your employees and that um, you're paying them equal amounts based on sex. And that is so cool. And I was kind of like weird about this because it also means that you can't really negotiate your salary. But when I looked it up, apparently in Europe, it's not really a thing to negotiate your salary anyway. That's an American thing. I did read an article about, it was from The Guardian. So it was about a UK company and their policy is that they don't allow any negotiation. And she argued that that actually helps close the wage gap. If no one's negotiating, everyone's getting paid the same. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people are going to say like, oh, if you're getting paid the same and you're not negotiating, then why work hard? Apparently there's also like merit-based incentives um, that you can get paid more, but they're open for everyone. 
which is really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Going back to the Equal Pay Act of 1963, there was a really important court case um, on sexual discrimination that involved Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. Nora? Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. I'm Nora Ephron, bitch. And she's a huge character in this episode. Like, I love her so much from all of this research I've done on her. She's a fucking badass. Yeah. So in the episode, they reference Nora Ephron whenever they say that Kat and Jane are telling Sutton that she should, like, negotiate her salary with Oliver and she should be, like, Nora Ephron. And so Elizabeth and I were like, who the fuck is this? (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't didn't know who she was. I, I feel like I knew who she was, but I never, like, put two and two together that this woman was an idol that I should really aspire to be like <laughs> yeah yeah so you did you did a lot of research on her what, yeah. what did you find out? oh my god she's so cool she um she was a american writer and filmmaker um back in like the 90s and stuff like that she was this rare triple hyphenate of a rioter director and producer and she was one of like the few handful of women directors in hollywood during her time um she did when harry met sally sleepless in seattle julie and julia all of these deadpan romantic comedies that are actually realistic that we've all seen oh my gosh i love those movies i love those movies so much like well i thought sleepless in seattle was kind of weird like i I never really got (laughs) honestly i never really got the point of like why they're in love when they haven't met and stuff like that but when harry met sally is a classic yeah classic so good yeah one of her lines that she's known for is everything is copy so she she wrote um her movies and stories and articles on her life and her girlfriend's life and stuff like that she was very dry and deadpan and like brought humor to a humorless subject a lot oh my gosh yeah she interned at the white house for jfk uh she worked at newsweek and tried to be a writer but ended up leaving when they wouldn't let her and participated in this class action lawsuit that i mentioned for sexual discrimination eventually a book was written about it it's called good girls revolt and a tv show by the same title was released by amazon um, I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my list because I know it's going to be amazing. And now I just want to know about her. She was crazy, though. Like, she was a reporter for the New York Post. She wrote freelance for Cosmopolitan. She was all over the place. This, like, crazy, inspirational person. Yeah, it was, like, such a great reference to this episode because, like, whenever Kat and Jane are telling Sutton to be, like, Nora Ephron to just... They are telling her, you know, you need to have all the power. If they don't pay you what you want, then you need to be able to leave. Like she did with Newsweek whenever they wouldn't allow her to be a writer. She left and then participated in that uh, class action lawsuit. Absolutely. And that's like in a time where women were just told to be quiet and accept it. It, that's so cool because, you mm-hmm. know, nowadays we're like, yeah, I could do that. But in the 60s, it wasn't the case like that. That was strange to be so independent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She also knew the identity of Deep Throat, right? Yeah. So for people who aren't insane like me, um, Deep Throat is the source that caused the Watergate scandal um, that got Nixon not impeached, but he would have been impeached. He resigned. And her ex-husband was the writer of those articles that made it public um, that Nixon was deleting tapes and uh, recording people without their knowledge. And she knew who he was um, because <laughs> she, you know, she's brilliant and she just had that connection. So I thought that that was just like such a random piece <laughs> of history that she was involved in. Definitely like the best 
like tell me about yourself fact that <laughs> she could have. Absolutely. And then one of her last books, it's called I Feel Bad About My Neck, which I really, it's on my reading list. Um, So it's about the fact that society considers women useful when they're pretty. And when women age and they go into menopause and everything, we lose some of that perfection and prettiness and we start feeling bad about our neck. Um, and it's her take on what happens when you get older and go through menopause and like, I need to read this book because apparently it's really funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely on my reading list now. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's just like this cool fucking badass that they name drop in the bold type. Uh, once again, introducing us to women that are really important and influential and we should know more about. Exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that's The Wage Gap and our research on Nora Ephron. We just thought it was really cool to talk about those subjects that they brought up in this episode. Um, and I guess that kind of wraps up on Sutton's main conflict, which is, you know, negotiating her salary and um, just trying to be a badass. Yeah. So now we wanted to talk about our favorite moment of the episode, the soul scene. It happens at the end of the episode, resolving these three conflicts between the characters, Jane getting sued, Kat trying to decide if she wants to be with Adina in a committed relationship, and then Sutton uh, negotiating her salary. All happens kind of in this scene. Yeah, so it's, it's not only our favorite scene of the episode, but it's actually my favorite scene of the series. I love this scene so much. It's amazing. Um, they're playing this great uh, music behind it. It's it's Banners, Someone to You. We're going to link the music video on our uh, website, so you should absolutely check it out because it's my jam. I love this song. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And just it, every time I get goosebumps when I watch the scene. I cry every time I watch this scene. I'm not ashamed to say that. I cry. Whoever did this scene, whoever figured it out, deserves an award because it's just like so emotional and wonderful. Yeah, and it's so like crazy because if you were to describe it to a stranger, it sounds incredibly cheesy and really stupid, but if you watch it yourself, it perfectly captures like the theme of growth in this episode and in the season in a really cool modern silly millennial way. I mean, yeah, it, it, describing it like it's set to this inspiring music and this soul wheel cheesy like inspirational speech like that sounds ridiculous and yet it is so well done and proves their point across so very well yeah it's it's an amazing amazing scene so what happens so jane uh she's in the settlement meeting with richard and um we see her realize that settling is the right thing to do morgan stanley accepts her settlement offer and she finally finally accepts that she failed and she moves on to the next story we see her writing at the very end of the scene and just you know moving on letting her emotions not take over and just doing the logical thing yeah and that like this was the moment like for Jane, whenever, uh, you know, Richard tells her, oh, they've agreed to the settlement. And she says, no, no, this is the right thing to do. I'm like, so relieved. Like, that was so good to see. And it just has shown so much growth for her as a writer, like from the very beginning, being insecure, and wanting Jacqueline's approval the whole time to kind of 
figuring it, you know, gaining some confidence and what she wants to write about and then stumbling a little, but then not letting that like derail her completely and, you know, accepting her failure, learning from her mistakes. And then like, yeah, like you said, moving on to the next story. Yeah. Even though this is like an infuriating Jane episode with her, like making so many mistakes, it's so nice to see her learning from them and moving on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved this moment with Jane. Um, with Kat, so yeah, we see her actually cry in public, which for Kat is a huge thing. So like, and you just see her completely lose it and realizes that she messed up. She wants to be with Adina. She gets over her fear of commitment. And then we have this bubblegum pink moment. Where she, yeah, goes to Dina's apartment and bears her soul. And I mean, li- like, there's literally running in slow motion to Dina's apartment <laughs> during this music and uh, inspirational monologue. Uh, but then Adina is moving to Paris to make, to try things with Coco and it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. So that, that hurts a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, Kat, Kat put herself out there. And so that's really good for her as a character and everything. Really good for her. Yeah. It's going from Kat in episode one, you know, Adina points out, Oh, you use hi- humor to hide your, your uh, emotions. And you, you know, she just kind of rebuffs it and just is very laid back and chill and doesn't want anything serious and to her literally you know breaking down crying during a soul wheel exercise class realizing she wants to be with Adina is just so much growth there too yeah and then Sutton oh Sutton struts powerfully through the office timid Sutton's gone so we we saw her like be a little timid throughout this episode but then this final scene she's just totally in control this powerful just like striking creature is now negotiating with Oliver and she doesn't let Oliver interrupt her she doesn't let Oliver get his face in until she's all done and ready to go and she has a great plan in place and knows her stuff and it's so cool yeah so we see that like Oliver can't budge on salary which is sucks but is understandable so she comes in with a bunch of other perks that she'd like to offset living expenses and makes a good solid case for her that she deserves these perks. And she even finds a way to like make it easier for Oliver. She so like, it can come out of this budget, which is in surplus. I already checked and it comes in with very reasonable requests with a lot of research and is willing to walk away if he doesn't meet them because she has the safety net of Kat and Jane and she struts across the office in her new fashion shoes and it's yeah that was so powerful to see like Sutton as a young millennial woman negotiating successfully her salary and so yeah yeah so what happens is uh she walks outside where we see Jane typing and Jane takes off her headphones and the music stops and Sutton looks like really calm and she pops up in the envelope and she goes I'm Nora Ephron bitch and it's so good so great (laughs) it's so good it's so powerful and inspiring to see that in on tv to see someone my age someone in my situation like successfully negotiate a salary you don't see that and you should yeah and it's again crazy inspiring like i was personally inspired and it was great it was awesome so yeah that's that's the amazing everything gets resolved scene Mm. and oh we love it so much 
It's so telling of the whole episode and the whole season so far, and it's a really, really good mid-season finale, and it's a good show of how much growth each like each character has had. Yeah. Um, so that was our favorite scene. So what was your favorite quote from this episode? Um, I really liked a couple of the quotes where it's the girls being supportive of one another. So whenever Jane finds out that she's being sued, Sutton says, you know, is trying to reassure her and says, you know, not everyone is going to love what you write. Except me, of course. <laughs> and that was like so sweet and supportive. What were some of your favorite quotes? So I had, well, I had five, but I'm cutting it down to two. Um, <laughs> I really like when they're all talking about their conflicts and Jane goes, I still win, but Sutton comes in second. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, in the scene where they're talking about that there's Sutton's safety net, Kat goes, do not fight his friend, you will lose, in just the most loving way. And I, I feel like I've said that before, and it just, like, resonates with me. You have said that before, to me and to our friends. Like, yeah, that is... Do not fight me. You've said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a really good episode. It's a very, very good mid-season finale, and it's so good. Yeah. So what are we looking forward to next episode? What do we, what are we looking forward to about Jane? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to her taking this, this learning opportunity that she had and this good step towards growth and seeing her be more secure in her writing, like, you know, being okay with making mistakes, but then also learning from them. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think she's come out a lot stronger from this conflict that she had. So I'm looking forward I to agree. that. Yeah. With her. What about you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. They leave Jane kind of open-ended here. I mean, she doesn't really have anything that we, we know is going to happen in the future. Um, we just kind of know that she's, she's growing and it, it's really cool to see that trajectory. Yeah. What about Kat? Let's see. Kat. I really like Vulnerable Cat. I think that, you know, it's hard to see that, but it's also really good to see that portrayed. So I, I really, I've enjoyed seeing Vulnerable Cat. And I'm, I'm hoping that they do that in the future too. Yeah. Uh, Vulnerable Cat, like that is, that is some powerful acting right there. Like just, yeah, that actress is so good. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, you know, the happy part of me doesn't want to see Kat sad. So <laughs> I, I want to see her and Adina reunite after this because, it, you know, it ended with Adina leaving and going to Paris and Coco. So I want to see them reunite. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. What about Sutton? What are you looking forward to with Sutton? Um, Her officially, like, starting her new role in the fashion department. Like, she got the job last episode, but then this episode she officially accepted it so I'm just really ready to see her shine there yeah I'm also I love Oliver I think that he's such a cool mentor to have and like all of their interactions make me really happy especially when he's just yelling at her because it's just so funny <laughs> yeah no that's a really really great uh mentor mentee relationship yeah I'm looking forward to that as well You can subscribe to TNTV on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast hub, and can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TTV Podcast. Check out our website, www.tntv.com, 
for related links and commentary. And be sure to watch The Bold Type with us, available on freeform.com, Hulu, and Amazon. Join us next time when we pick apart episode six, The Breast Issue, and discuss BRCA gene testing. If you're not watching The Bold Type like you should be, still keep us on your subscription list for our episodes later in the year. We have a wide range of tastes and love hearing suggestions. So until next time, drink tea. And happy binging.